praise the Lord. Everybody praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalms chapter 103. I'm going to be reading beginning of verse 2. Psalms chapter 103 and then Malachi chapter number 3 verse 10. Beginning in Psalms chapter 103 verse 2 it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Bible says we should not forget the benefits of the Lord. How many believe that's good advice from the Word of God? Verse 3, it just starts to list some of them. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. I just want you to remember the benefits of living for God. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth my mouth with good things, so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Everybody said, thank God. And plenteous in mercy. Everybody say, double thank God. He will not always chide, neither he will keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. God's mercy is great. As far as the east is from the west, so hath so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Back to verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Everybody say praise the Lord. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I, will not open you, uh, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Thank God for his benefits. Amen. Thank God for his benefits. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your word and for the truth that's in your word. We pray, Lord, that you'd enable me to minister in a short amount of time what you've laid on my heart. And, Lord Jesus, let it transform the thinking of those that are here today concerning the benefits of living for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Last week, we started a series about the stewardship of life. And uh, you may recall that the primary phrase that we were communicating from the word of the Lord was this. Everything we have is from God. Amen. And when we understand that we are stewards instead of owners, he can bless us and use us greatly. Until we get this understanding that everything we have does not belong to us, but it's given to us by God. And he is asking us to be stewards of it until we understand that God's blessings and his ability to minister and flow through us is limited. 
Now, I want to talk to you for just a second about the decision to give your life to the Lord Jesus, because this is not something that can be imposed on you. It's something that you decide to do. And uh, uh, Jesus said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Nobody's going to put it on your back. Nobody's going to force you to the cross. It's something that you decide to do. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Jesus is saying here in essence that a person who decides to take up their cross and follow Jesus Christ are surrendering their life to the Lord and saying, this life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm giving it to the Lord. And the Bible gives us tremendous promises of his blessings and his favor that will be upon us when we make that decision, which is the best decision you can ever make to say, my life is not my own to you. I belong. And I understand that I am a student of everything that I have has been placed in my hands rather than being an owner. And the Bible says that when we make that decision to follow after Him, to take up our cross and to follow Him, to make a decision to live for Jesus, that He promises that there will be blessings in our life. It's not like you're going to just make a commitment and make a decision and forsake certain things and end up for the rest of your life regretting it. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 18 verse 29, it says, He said, unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. And so whenever you give up your life to live for Jesus and you give up control and give up this concept of being in control, because guess what? You're really not in control. You just think you're in control. And God sometimes in His mercy shakes up our illusion of being in control so we can turn it over to Him and say, I'm not going to try to keep my life and keep control, but I'm turning it over to You, Lord Jesus, so that I can live my life for You. And when a person makes up their mind to do that very thing, there is promises galore in the Word of God that He will take care of us. Not only are we going to get the greatest blessing of all, which is eternal life in the world to come, but that we will be blessed in this world. Amen. Jesus spoke these words in response to Peter when he came and said, Jesus, we have forsaken all to follow you. And I read to you the account in Luke. In Mark's account of that same story, Jesus said, I am going to give back to you houses, lands, friend, family with persecution, but I'm going to give all these things back to you a hundredfold what you have forsaken. So there's no promise that there won't be persecution when you give your life to the Lord, but there is promise that God's favor is going to be upon your life. I've come to engage in a little bit of spiritual warfare today because the enemy is wily, but his techniques are old, and we can study his techniques all the way back to the beginning of time where he confronted Eve in the garden and tried to convince her that God was holding out on her and that by serving and submitting and surrendering to God that she was somehow forfeiting a number of 
powerful, wonderful, fruitful, enjoyable blessings that could be hers. That's the enemy's approach. He is a liar. The Bible says he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. For when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy's job is to confuse you, to confound you, to put false information in your head and for you to create a worldview based on these deceptions about what life is like and what liberty is like and what true freedom is. And he puts all of these things in your mind to confuse you about what it means and what's at stake when you give your life to the Lord. And, and you know he's effective at what he does. Because there's people that look at Christian living as restrictive. A bunch of rules and regulations. I don't want to serve the Lord because of all these things that I can't do. I don't want to give my life to Jesus because of all these limitations that His law and His expectations will put on my life. You know, I don't want to serve the Lord because then there's certain places that, I, that, that I'm not supposed to go and certain things that I'm not supposed to do and uh, ways that I'm not supposed to conduct myself and ways that I'm not supposed to act and uh, I, I can't uh, conduct myself that way and uh, I have to live this certain way and uh, all these limitations and restrictions and just like the serpent in the garden said, look, hath God said you shall not eat of all the trees. He was trying to get Eve to forget all the benefits and focus on the fact that God said, this is off limits right here. Amen. That's the enemy's approach to this very day. To cause us to forget all the blessings and the favor and the anointing and all the good things that God pours into our life when we pursue after Him. Amen. When we go after Him and uh, cause us to try to focus uh, on the things uh, that God has said, thou shalt not or else you will die. Amen. And so the devil's confusion extends to this day. And I've come to try to do war against the stronghold of the enemy. This hiding place in your brain where the devil has you convinced that living for God is a drudgery. And it's boring. And you're giving up certain things that are of value when you decide to live for God. I want to tell you today that there is a world around us that's filthy. Full of debauchery and sin. And you can be influenced by the thinking of this world around you. To the very things that bring liberty in your life can begin to look like restrictions and rules. But I want to tell you today that there is no life like living for the Lord. Amen? We've been promised blessings in this life. And we've been promised eternal life. We must remember the benefits of living for God. God is good to us. And it's a good life living for Jesus. We have the promise of eternal life. That enough right there is enough. But we also have a reason to live. We have a purpose for waking up in the morning. Amen. My wife and I were uh, visiting last night and, and, and just talking about, hey, can you imagine what life would be like if we weren't living for God? What would we be doing right now? Well, let's go watch another TV show, I guess. Let's go hang around and enjoy some more leisure. Let's... Uh, uh, get another job. Let's try to get some more stuff. 
What really purpose is there in life? But when you understand that God has anointed and gifted you and filled you with the Spirit so that you could be a part of His mission on the earth, which is to seek and save that which is lost, then you understand that there's purpose and meaning to life. Psalms chapter 84 and verse 10 says, For a day in my courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's why David said in Psalms chapter 1, 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David was a king. He was the most powerful man probably in all the world at this time. But he said, I'd rather just get in the courts. That's not even into the holy place, but that's in the courtyard of the present just waiting for him. I'd rather just be in the waiting room of God's presence than to dwell in the midst of the tents of the wicked. Amen. Hallelujah. Better is one day in your courts. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. In Lamentation it says, God's compassions are new every morning. His compassion doesn't wear out. Proverbs 10.22. I'm just throwing a few things out here because I don't want you to forget his benefits. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. God's recipe, God's recipe for blessings, it enriches your life. Amen. The devil's recipe for quote-unquote blessings or pleasures is a recipe that brings pleasure for a season. But he adds in a pinch of sorrow or a scoop of sorrow into the recipe. And it bringeth pleasure for a time, but then it brings much sorrow. But the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. Amen. It's a good life living for the Lord. Amen. It's a good life living for the Lord. And the devil is a liar. I don't want to live for God. I, I can't go to Vegas and gamble my money and lay around on the street drunk, half naked. I don't want to, I, I don't want to, I don't want to live for God because I can't have sex with everything that moves around. I don't want to live, live for God because I'm going to have these restrictions and these limitations in my life. God puts restrictions in His words for your favor, for your blessing, for good things to happen in your life. Come on, somebody. It's the Word of God, and it's true, and it addeth no sorrow. See, you've got to get this point because as long as you fight this reality, you're going to struggle in your life. You'll struggle in your walk with God. Always being pulled right and left by every temptation of the enemy. But there's got to be something that's settled in your heart that says God's blessings are good. God's favor is the thing that matters most in my life. I'd rather have God's favor than her attention. Uh, come on, somebody. I'd rather, I'd rather have God's favor than his money. I'd rather have God's favor than his influence. I'd rather have God's favor in my life than anything that this world... Anything... That this world has to offer. Romans fourteen seventeen said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not what you eat or don't eat and drink or don't drink. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. 
One of them has to do with your will or your conduct. That's righteousness. The other two, peace and joy, have to do with your emotions. And people wonder why we Pentecostals are emotional. Because in the Holy Ghost is righteousness, which is will of conduct. But there's also peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have a peace that the world doesn't understand. A peace that the world knoweth not of. They don't know where the answer is going to come from. They don't know who's got their back. They don't know who's going to be their advocate. But we know that Jesus Christ the righteous is our advocate. He's got our back. Goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Don't tell me it's a drudgery living for God. Don't try to convince me it's a great big sacrifice to say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to please God. And I want my life to honor Him. Praise God. And so choosing to live for God brings so many benefits. Freedom, peace, God's blessings, purpose for your life and meaning for your life. Guess what? You've got a great future when you give your life to the Lord. Because taking up your cross may bring persecution, but it's got a great benefit package. Amen. Eternal life that none of us deserve. I want to remind you, you don't deserve eternal life. I don't know where in the world this idea has come from that everybody deserves to live forever in paradise. Regardless of how they live or what they believe. That's ridiculous. There is no, nothing in the Word of God that gives us the concept that somewhere we are deserving of eternal life. Eternal life is a gift from God. Thank God for the fact that I recognize and realize that the grave is not the end. And when I kiss my mama's head and lay her in the grave, it's not the last time that I will see her. But there is hope of eternal life. Jesus said it this way. Believe you that the dead will rise again. Martha said, yes, in the resurrection, they'll rise again. Jesus said, but your brother is going to rise again right now. Amen. Hallelujah. We have this hope in Jesus Christ by putting our trust and our confidence in him. But the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. His effort is to get our attention off of the benefits and to focus on those few destructive habits, conducts. That are prohibited from God that will bring sorrow into our life and bondage into our life. The favor of God is worth more than the favor of a millionaire. When God's favor is on your life, it's worth more than the favor of a business owner or your boss. It's worth more than the favor of a powerful politician. It's worth more than the favor of anybody on this planet. The favor of God on your life. And I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing I crave more in my life than the favor of God. Amen. So we got to get this in my spirit. If my passion for the favor of God causes me to lose friends, so be it. I didn't need those friends. And if my appetite and passion for the favor of God causes me to lose prestige among certain groups of people, it doesn't matter to me. Because the favor of God outweighs anybody else's favor immediately. 
Put it on the scale. Put it on God's scale. Put it on the real scale of life. The favor of the wealthy, the favor of the prestigious, the favor of the powerful. Put it on one side, but the favor of God on the other side, boom, the scale slams down because the favor of God is the thing you need in your life. Amen. Because the favor of man can only reach so far, but there is no extension of your circumstance that puts you beyond the reach of God's favor when God's favor is on your life. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. The devil's a liar. He'll leave you washed up and wrung out and frustrated and disgusted with yourself. But when you give your life to the Lord, he'll take something that was on a pathway to destruction, turn something beautiful out of it. Take something useless and wreck and make something useful out of it. Amen. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ. He likes taking things that other people say is a lost cause. It's an impossible situation. God says, here, give it to me. Let me take it in my hands. Let me put it on my potter's wheel. Let me start over from the beginning again. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's some people in the house today that your life was a wreck. Your marriage was a wreck. Your life was on the pathway to hell. But God said, let me stop you where you are. And you decided. You decided to give your life to the Lord Jesus. Amen. And so I want to share with you once a year. I like to share on a Sunday to the congregation the blessings. One particular area from the word of God in your life where you access a tremendous amount of of blessings. The Bible says in Genesis 12, the Lord called Abram out of his country, said, I'm going to show you a land. I'm going to make you a great nation and I will bless you and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And if you want God's blessing and favor on your life, it's not just so you can roll in the dough and it's not just so you can have lots of stuff, but being blessed of God is so that you can be a conduit or a, a, uh, uh, a vessel through which God's favor and blessing can flow from God through you to other people. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. So a blessed life, a life that's favored by God, it, 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 is, it is having God's supernatural power working for you instead of working against you. Amen. You know, you've heard the saying before, you don't want to get the wrong person mad at you. Amen. There's certain people in your life you want to keep them on your side. You don't want to get on the wrong side of that person. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want to get on the wrong side of God's favor. Being blessed and favored of God means God's working for you instead of against you. It's mean you are it means you are walking in agreement with God. You're walking in agreement with his will and you're walking in agreement with his word. And it's uh, living a life that is blessed of God and favored of God is about living in the current of God's favor instead of uh, swimming in opposition to God's favor. You know, sometimes our will will do that to us. And we see something over here and we swim against the current of God's favor and we find ourselves far from where God would have us to be and we find ourselves in disastrous situations. Amen. Having God's favor on your life is not about living the rich life. And it's not about having a life that's completely free from problem problems. And it's not about living a life where you'll never experience sickness. But it is about having God's favor on your life 
about walking in the will of God, walking with God's blessings on you. And no one can stop you from being blessed. And no one can stop your life from being blessed. Your spouse can't do it to you. Your boss can't do it to you. Your pastor can't do it to you. Your church can't do it. No one can keep you from being blessed. Except you. You're the only one that has that power. And so we want to talk in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, is this principle of opening up God's favor and blessings in the area of finances and other areas of our life. Verse 7 says, Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see where God speaks to his people, through the prophet Malachi, says, return to me. They said, I, don't, I didn't know that we left. He said, you've robbed God. How have we robbed God? He said, by tithes and offerings. And because of that, there is a curse upon you. But you can reverse the curse and turn it into a blessing by bringing the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be meat in the house of the Lord. And then God says, test me or prove me in this situation. So the Bible talks much about our finances and our resources. In fact, the Bible says you can't serve both God and money. Amen. So the two gods of this world, the two gods that are... Uh, basically in opposition to each other, is not God and Satan. It's God and money. And so you don't choose, well, am I going to serve God or am I going to serve Satan? And, and you, you know, you, you, it'd be hard to find anybody that would admit to serving Satan. And they're like, yeah, I got, his, I got 666 tattooed on my back and I got horns. I got them put into my head and, and uh, I painted my face red so I can be a servant of Satan. No. But there are plenty of people in the world that if you pressed them and looked at their priorities, you would say, these people are serving the almighty dollar because that's the issue. Are you going to make money your God or are you going to make God your God? Well, you guys aren't with me like you were just a minute ago. When the word of God tithing is a promise for God's blessing in our life and money is a true test, money is a test of our priorities, our loyalties, our affections, these are revealed by how we handle our resources and our finances. What's important to you? Well, look at your check register or your ATM register, and it will show what's important to you. Anybody ever get that out and you're like, oh, my Lord, my God is my belly. Amen. 
or my God is my ride, or my God is my house, or my God is these different things that I pour myself, I pour my life. See, you're investing your life into having this, so this is your God. God says there, there should be no other gods before me, no other gods besides me. Amen. And so this thing called tithing, I want to explain it to you briefly. Two things I want to share with you, what is meant by a tithe and what the Bible means when it talks about first fruit. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says this, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. The word tithe is, it's, an, it's kind of an archaic English word in our King James Version that has kind of become a pop culture term only because uh, of church culture. But the word tithe simply means tenth. If we were to translate it into our contemporary language, it says the tenth of the land or one-tenth of the land, whether it's the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Listen to that now. Think about it. All the increase, one-tenth is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So tithe is an ancient word uh, that means tenth. The tenth of everything uh, that I produce, the tenth of everything that God blesses me with and gives to me is the Lord. See, I'm telling you this today because this is the key or the pathway to God's favor and blessing in your life in the area of finances. Amen? Do you believe this? Do you believe the Word of God? Amen. And then the principle of the first fruit is uh, Exodus uh, chapter 13, verse 1. It says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. So whenever a womb was opened, whether it was the womb of an animal the first time or the womb of a lady the first time, the firstborn was the Lord's. And the Lord said, Sanctify it unto me. And so every firstborn belonged to the Lord. The Bible says 16 times in Scripture that the firstborn is the Lord's. Everybody got that? Say it with me. Firstborn is the Lord's. So the firstborn either had to be sacrificed or redeemed. And so when a child, a firstborn child was born, when your wife had her first baby, there had to be an animal that was sacrificed in the place to redeem the firstborn. Now, here's the deal. When you had an animal that you raised, you, you, we think of animals, we think of the zoo. We think of animals, we think of uh, old Farmer Bob back in the 1800s with his pitchfork. But during their times, animals represented their source of income, their source of increase, their source of God's blessing and favor on their life. Amen. Because the little animal that was born was going to grow up, and that little calf was going to become a cow, and, and uh, that little lamb was going to grow up and become a bigger lamb or a sheep, and uh, it was going to reach the point where it would reproduce others. And every time a lamb was born, it was money in the bank. Amen. It was a, it was a what do you call it? It was a paycheck. It was a, what do you call it? It was a... Uh, uh, a benefit from work. It was a uh, 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 incentive check from work. Every time a lamb was born, this was 
God's favor and blessing for their work, for feeding the lamb and taking care of the lamb. Boom, God gives increase from the effort and the work. And when the land was uh, sowed and they worked and pulled the weeds and they worked with the sweat of their brow and they planted and they took care of the crop, they knew that there was a day coming when the harvest would come. Harvest time would come. And they realized even though they had worked and they had put their sweat and effort into it, that it was the favor and the blessing of God that brought the increase. And see, until you get that point, you're going to be struggling, beating your head against the wall the rest of your life, thinking that it's your effort and your work that's bringing this into your life. You've got to recognize whenever I wake up, whenever I start breathing, it's God's favor in my life. Whenever I, my brain cells start working together, whenever my hands and my feet start coordinating with my brain to start doing the work that's going to provide an income, it's a blessing and it's favor from God. And whenever the paycheck comes, I worked, I put some sweat into it, but thank God this is from the Lord. And until you get that, you think you're an owner instead of a steward. And if you think you're an owner, then you're on your own or something like that. I just came up with that. That was cute. God said the firstborn is his. So the firstborn had to be sacrificed or redeemed. So when a lamb was born, it was cha-ching, cha-ching. A lamb is born. Cha-ching, the harvest came. The paycheck. And God said, I want you to give the firstborn belongs to me. Now, here's the interesting part. There was no guarantee that that lamb would ever have another lamb. That lamb might have seven, eight, ten offspring. But that might be the only one. Notice God didn't say, when your lamb has lamb number ten... Or when your cow has calf number 10, so you got nine healthy, here comes 10, I want you to give that one to me. He says, give me the first fruits. The first that comes through the womb. Sanctified, it belongs to the Lord, it's holy to the Lord. Give that to the Lord. You know, that's where faith came in. Because by giving that and sacrificing it to the Lord... They were saying, in essence, I believe that there's more coming. I believe that if I give the first to the Lord, he's going to take care of the womb and going to take care of the production process and going to take care and make sure that the checks keep coming. Amen. That the blessings and the favor keeps coming. And this is the concept or the principle of the first belongs to the Lord. And as I said, it's mentioned over and over in Scripture. It's believing that God will bless and God will provide. So the principle of first fruits is the first always belongs to the Lord. All through the Bible we see this principle. The first belongs to the Lord. He will be first in our lives. And this uh, can relate to our time. We give Him the first of our time. Do you know that's why uh, the leaders of the church decided let's have church on Resurrection Sunday, on Sunday, we come to the house of the Lord. Anybody wonder why we come to church on Sunday? Because it is the first day of the week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We give the first, uh, our best uh, to the Lord. And we're investing our time in the kingdom of God and the presence of the Lord. We're giving our first fruits when we came here today on Sunday. Amen? And so we give the first fruits of our resources, our, our finances, as well. This is what tithing is. It is about giving our first to God. You still with me? Say amen. amen. That water is good. Mm. Tithing is so important because it is the primary way we acknowledge that God is first in our life. It is also the primary way that we acknowledge 
that we are stewards instead of owners. The primary way. I wish I could just kind of open up everybody's brains and say, I don't know what you're thinking about this concept right now, but let me just get in there for a minute and put this concept into your head. Because God's favor and blessing on your life is dependent on you getting a hold of this. Amen. Wherever you go, whoever you are, wherever you live, you've got to get this point. Because until then, you are living for yourself. But you give your life to the Lord. This is one way that you acknowledge that, God, I've given my life to you. Because he said, the first tenth belongs to me. The first tenth is holy to the Lord. And so when I take that first tenth and I use it for things that I need or things that I want, then guess what I'm doing? I'm taking what belongs to the Lord and saying, in essence, God, all that I have is not mine. It's mine. And I'll give you what I have left over. Hmm. 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 There are so many blessings that go along with tithing. But it's the principle of putting God first and the principle of faith that initiates the blessing. It's like the trigger for the blessing in your life. God wants you to be blessed. Amen. I want you to be blessed. And the first portion is the portion that redeems the rest. And it's the part that carries the blessing. And so often we give the first portion to everything else. And by doing so, we are saying we respect all our bills more than we have respect for God. But someone who understands what giving is all about says, I know I have a stack of bills here. I know I have some debt here. I know I have some things that require my attention here. But I am going to give God first. And trust Him to bless the rest, to stretch it and make sure that all the needs are met. And giving and tithing is a principle that runs throughout the Word of God. And if you study this subject, it even predates the law of Moses. We know that tithing was a part of the law of Moses, but it predates it by a thousand years. Because Abraham, Abraham offered Isaac, was asked to offer Isaac, and he gave him the tenth of the spoils to Melchizedek, who was a representation of Jesus Christ. So Abraham paid tithes long before Moses ever came up with the law or the principle of tithe. In fact, follow me now, this principle goes all the way back to the opening chapters in the book of Genesis. In God's instructions to Adam and Eve, he said... You can eat of all the trees in the garden except for this one. And when God gave Adam and Eve stewardship of the garden, this is the way I will know that you understand that this is mine, not yours. This is the way that we will understand that you will under, that I'll be able to understand that you understand that I'm in charge and not you. God gave them every tree from which they could eat freely except for one. So exercising faithful stewardship in the garden meant leaving that one tree alone that was holy unto the Lord. But by choosing to eat of the fruit of that tree, they were saying we are owners of the gardens rather than stewards of this garden. Did you get that point? And God said, this is off limits. Don't touch this. When they touched it, they said, in essence, we believe it's mine and not yours. Just like the little boy who got mad when dad took his french fries. He had to be last year, last week to get that one. But this is exactly how the principle of tithe operates for us. God gives us stewardship responsibilities over our lives. 
And even though it all belongs to him, he richly gives us all things to enjoy. But he asked us not to touch the first fruit. The tithe and the first fruits are mine, says the Lord. So we show that we recognize that we are stewards, but rather than owners, when we give our tithe to the Lord. Say amen, somebody. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. It basically says that your heart follows your treasure. That's why tithing represents a test for every Christian. It's a test. The number 10 in the Word of God, which 10 is the 10th, always represents testing. And uh, when we give the 10th part, the number 10 represents testing. There were 10 plagues in Egypt to test Pharaoh. There are 10 commandments to test God's people. Amen? Daniel was tested 10 times. Jacob's wages were changed 10 times by Laban to test him. So all of these things are representatives of the fact that tithing is a test. And God said even himself, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Try me in this, saith God, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now, here's a cool principle. I don't believe God's wasteful. So that means if my cup is only so big and he's opening up the windows of heaven to pour out blessings that I don't have room to contain, he's not going to cause it to spill all over the floor, spill all over everything. But I believe that being faithful in this area of your life, God's blessing comes to you, but God's blessing also passes on to the next generation. Amen. I believe I'm blessed today because my parents were tithers. I believe I'm blessed today because my mom and dad were faithful in their tithes and offerings. Now, I had to make a choice of how I was going to live my life. But God's not going to cause those blessings to spill all over. They can go down to the next generation. And I have Bible for that because the Bible says that uh, Levi paid tithes in Abraham's loins when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Did you know that? That was several generations prior. I think it was three or four generations before because you have, here you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's son was Levi. The Bible said Levi, three generations prior, it says Levi was receiving blessings because of what Abraham did three generations prior when he gave tithe, tithe to Melchizedek. And so God's favor and blessing that you don't have room to contain doesn't mean that God's going to give you so much sloppy junk that you don't know what to do with it. But it means God's going to take care of your needs. He's going to give you your daily bread. And God's going to put blessings in other areas of your life. And God's going to pass blessings down to the next generation. Amen. So there are eternal principles in God's Word, and tithing is one of them. And this is the testimony of a tither. testimony of a tither is this. I am blessed. Mm -hmm. Here's the testimony of a non-tither. I can't afford to tithe. Have you? I, I, I really can't afford to tithe. So every tither says, I'm blessed. Every non-tither says, I can't afford to, 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 to tithe. So I think maybe you need to do a little math or a little figuring or a little... Uh, just kind of figuring things out here. My father pastored for 35 years, and he told me he never one time 
was asked to provide financial assistance to a person who is a consistent tither. Never one time. That doesn't mean they didn't go through tough times or difficulties or ever lose a job. Those kinds of things happen. It rains on the just or the unjust. But God takes care of those, amen, who put him first. It works. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist. It's pretty simple. The reality is I'm going to be a tither because it opens up the the windows of heaven for God's blessings in my life. Life. Now, last year I used an illustration, and uh, I put out, I brought out uh, ten one dollar bills. I don't have those with me. I was going to bring them, I forgot. But if I put out ten dollar bills here, ten dollar bills, ten one dollar bills. I'm sorry. First of all, if I put ten dollar bills out here, how much of them belong to the Lord? All of them. But what is the tithe? A dollar. A dollar. The tithe is what we return to the Lord. Now, which is, which is the, the tithe? The, is it the one on the right or, or, or the one on the left? Well, it really doesn't matter right or left. The tithe is the first one I spend. The first fruit is the first that I spend. And so when people get this principle, this concept, they decide that... When I receive my increase, see, because it takes discipline to get started in committing yourself to being God's favor by tithing. And I got some people that can testify to that fact that you, when you became a believer, when you embraced the reality of the word of God, at first it was like, wow, this is really crazy. Let me work through this in my mind, in my spirit. And then they, do you make the discipline to say, okay, when I receive my check, the first tenth, the first tenth before I pay a bill. Why? Because it's first fruits. Before I uh, make a payment, before I buy groceries, I'm giving the first tenth to the Lord because I am saying, in essence, I believe, God, you're going to take care and redeem the 90. You're going to rebuke the devourer. You're going to rebuke the bad fuel pump. You're going to rebuke those bald tires. You're going to rebuke the devourer over my life. Come on, I'm I'm getting where some of you live right now. I'm going to... I'm going, to re- I'm going to rebuke the devourer of my furnace and air conditioning system in my house. I'm going to rebuke the devourer that would cause my roof to leak. Uh, I'm going to rebuke the devourer that would bring... Come on now. God can bring blessing into your life fast. God takes His hands off and things can fall apart fast. That's why I said I'd rather have God's favor on my life than the favor of a millionaire. Because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All of the earth is his and the fullness thereof. Everything that I have. And so by being submissive to God's plan in the area of tithing, I open up an opportunity for God's favor and blessing to be on my life. Amen? So the tithe is 10%. I can't give 5% and call it tithe. Right. Okay, because that's bad math. And uh, I, I was helping my daughter this year learn fractions. And one-tenth of a $10 bill is $1. It's not 50 cents. You won't get a red mark on your paper if you put 50 cents because it's bad math. Amen. So don't call it a tithe unless it's a tithe. Amen. And uh, somebody said, well, let's give more. If, if, we, uh, if there's needs in the church, give more tithe. You can't give more tithe. A tithe is tithe. It's 10%. If you want to say give more offerings, that's fine. But a tithe is just 
percent. And, and here's another thing. The Bible never says give tithe. The Bible always says bring my tithe or return the tithe. Bring your tithe. So that means like if, um, if somebody borrows my car, if you borrow my car and I, I say, could you give that car back to me? Or could you give that car to me? I mean, that doesn't make sense because I understand they're using my car. I say, could you bring it back? So that's why the Bible says bring your tithe into the storehouse. Our offerings are things that are given or offered. But tithes are brought or returned to the storehouse. Amen? So a suggestion is don't call it tithe unless it's 10% of your increase. Whatever it is that you get paid. Uh, it's not tithes, and you're not a tither if you don't give the 10%. Everybody got that? Everybody say, got it. Amen. So if you mark it tithe on your envelope, make sure that it's 10%. If you are say, well, I don't believe in tithes, I'm not a tither, well, just call it an offering and do whatever you want to do then. That's what you're going to do anyway. Amen. Amen. And, yeah, that's a question. Is before or after taxes, gross or uh, on the gross or on the uh, um, net. And my, uh, my response to that is, um, personally, I tithe on the net. But if I get a check back from the government, then I tithe on that too. But somebody who tithes on the gross and they get a check back, then you don't have to tithe on because you've already redeemed that amount of money. Okay, so that's just simple, simple principle. All right, so... Uh, and this may seem direct, but I don't want to see you, I don't want to see the enemy have his way with your finances and, and see you live below your means year after year after year after year. It's time for you to hear a certain sound and act on it. Amen? Those of you who have been here on Wednesday nights know you don't get a blessing by what you heard today. You get a blessing by doing according to what you're, the, the blessing is in the doing, not in the hearing. Amen. Praise God. So, uh, let me ask you this. If, if I get paid on Friday and pay all my bills and buy groceries and finally write a tithe check as I walk to church on Sunday, have I really tithed the first of my income? Because the first fruits is first things first. So hold it out. Withhold it first. Say, I'm getting it out. I'm protecting it. I'm making sure I don't spend God's money. Praise the Lord. So it's not really faith to give 10% after the bills have been paid. It's faith when I give my 10th first and then watch God take care of the need. See, it's putting God first, first, first. Everybody say first, 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 first. Because it says something about my priorities when I'm willing to pay everybody else first and then see if there's enough left over to give God his portion. Praise God. And the first portion has the power to redeem the less. So the Titus says, i got a stack of bills, but I'm going to give God first and believe Him to take care of the rest. Everybody got it? God doesn't need you to give. And God doesn't need your money. God wants you to learn to trust Him and watch His best blessings begin to flow. God wants to know, do you have the mind of a steward? Are you occupying until it comes? Or have you fallen in love with this world? And are you saying, it's mine, it's mine, give it to me? Come on, because God's favor is more valuable than anything. Amen. Because God's favor is still with you when you lose your job, if you got God's favor on you. Amen. God's favor is still with you when times get rough, if you got God's favor on your life. God's favor follows you. Sometimes we don't recognize God's favor when we're going through a tough time, but God's favor is still with you. 
Amen. I was reading in my Bible this week in our Bible reading as I'm wrapping up here. David, uh, while he was uh, kind of a renegade running away from Saul as Saul was trying to destroy him. And he came in contact with a woman who would eventually become his wife, Abigail. And she said to David, she said, David, you don't have to worry about anything. God's got you in his little treasure bag. And there's nothing that can harm you. So you may be in a cave and a king may be throwing spears at you, but you still got God's favor on your life. You've got God's anointing on your life. It doesn't matter what circumstances take you through. Come on, someone. When God's favor is on your life, it's there wherever you go. And I'd rather have God's favor in a jailhouse. Come on, Jacob had God's favor in his life. Joseph had God's favor in his life. Joseph, see, God's favor was still there when he was in a pit. Come on, so you go through some circumstances and the devil will try to convince you that God's favor is not there, but God's favor is still on your life. God's favor was still on Joseph's life when he sat in the prison cell. God's favor has no limits. And while you may think that God has forgotten you, and you may think that you're too far beyond the reach of God's favor, if God's favor is on your life, it's going to stay on your life. I'd rather go through a trial with God's favor on my life than skip the trial without God's favor. I want God's favor on my life because God's favor sometimes can be repositioning me through the trial. I don't understand what I'm going through, but God's favor is on my life. And I want to tell you right now that God's favor is not fair. But when His favor comes upon you, you have blessings that you don't deserve. God's got your back. God's looking out for you. Amen. I want the favor and the blessing of God on my life. Let's stand together right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let's thank him for just a minute right now. Come on, somebody. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. Joseph, how can you give thanks to God in the midst of a prison cell? Joseph, how can you give thanks to God in, in, in the bottom of a pit? Because somewhere I know God's favors on my life. And He's working all things together for my good. Even when I don't understand it, God's favors on my life. Even when I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. I trust that God's favor is on my life. I trust that He's going to be there. I trust that His rod and staff are going to strengthen me. I trust that He's going to order my steps in His Word. And even when I'm chastised, even when I feel the pain of correction, hallelujah, I'm trusting You, Lord God, right in the middle of the trial. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If there's anybody in this place today... And you're saying right now in your spirit, Preacher, I may not understand what's all involved in getting God's favor on my life. Maybe you're a new Christian or maybe you're an unbeliever. Maybe you're just starting to explore the truth. But there's something in your spirit that says, 
Although I don't understand everything, there's one thing I do know. I want God's favor on my family. I want God's favor on my life. I want God's favor on my finances. I want God's favor on my future. I want His favor upon me. If that's you, as we begin to worship the Lord right here, I want to invite you to come up for just a moment and make this prayer of commitment to the Lord. Is I want to give my life to you. I want to be a steward and not an owner. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want my life, Lord God, to be put in your hands. It's not my own. I've been bought with a price. In my life, Jesus, I want to be yours. If that's the way you feel, without any big pull, Without any big emotionalism, I want you to make your way up to the front here right now and say, Lord, my life's not my own. To you I belong. I give myself away. Giving my best to you. say a prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray for every household represented here, for every individual, dear God. They've stepped forward to communicate with their body language, with their step of faith that they want, they desire your favor on their family. They desire your favor on their life. And Jesus, I pray, Lord God, for your anointing to be upon them. Jesus, as we learn to submit to you, And we grow in our understanding of obedience to your word.
let your favor be evermore upon us. Jesus, I pray that you'd be merciful and patient with us, recognizing our frailties and weaknesses in the past. Let us take this step of faith, Lord Jesus, today to be obedient to you in various areas of our life, to surrender ourselves to you, Jesus, and recognize that by putting our lives in your hands and by surrendering ourselves to you, Jesus, we opt into your benefit package of all your blessings and your favor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that was shed, Lord Jesus, for our salvation. And I pray that each one of us, Lord God, as we mature and grow spiritually towards sanctification, towards being in the image of Christ Jesus, let the prompting, Lord God, be out of love. Let the prompting be, Lord Jesus, out of surrender to you, Lord God, and to your word, Jesus. And we pray that you favor and bless, Lord God, according to your word. Jesus, some of you are, some people in this house are going to put you to the test according to your word. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give them, Lord Jesus, the uh, discernment to recognize as you begin to open up the blessings of heaven in their life, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, uh, for your favor and your blessing. We thank you that your compassion is new every day and you've been so good to us, Lord Jesus. Let your word find a resting place and a lodging place in a heart today, Lord Jesus. And let us surrender ourselves to you so that your favor would be on our lives. Thank you for your favor. Now, let's lift our hands and thank him for the favor of the Lord. Thank God for his favor. Hallelujah. Nothing more precious, nothing more important. Nothing means more to me, Lord God, than to have your favor on my life. Jesus, we pray for every household, every family here. Let it be done in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As they sing this one more time, let's worship the Lord together. And thank God for his word. Thank God for his favor. Thank God for his blessings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. And uh, I want to challenge you that if you are 
wanting to be a better steward of what you have with your finances. Uh, because one, one thing I want to just address is that some people think, well, if I pay my tithes, then I can take the 90% and just do whatever I want with it, and God has to bless it. But the reality is um, there are other principles in the Word of God regarding the 90%, which is don't get into debt or release yourself from the debt as soon as you possibly can and uh, um, about uh, wise usage of your resources so that you don't bring stress into your marriage and stress into your family and uh, uh, living beneath your means. Did you know you're supposed to live beneath your means instead of at your means? But the majority of the world lives at their means or the United States live at their means and have uh, absolutely nothing in savings. So if you're interested in some practical steps of kind of uh, with, with accountability with your brothers and sisters in Christ of uh, doing better with your finances then uh, the class today super savings the seven baby steps is a great great class and that's at 530 here at Life Church do your best to be on time we're going to start right away and uh, uh, have a great time and uh, just want to invite you out for that you can come to check it out today if you haven't really decided what you're going to do come check it out then you can decide whether you want to be a part of the class or not. God bless each and every one of you. We're so glad to uh, have some of Ruth's family visiting with us for the first time. God bless you. And, uh, and also Bill's brother is here with us visiting. And uh, there may be some others visiting with us today. God bless each and every one of you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Share the love of Jesus with one another.